0: Hello and welcome. My name is Jake Trapp and this is The Way in All Things. On this podcast, we try to interview anyone who has discovered their path and are in the pursuit of excellence. We explore the inner and outer experiences, the trials and the tribulations, the epiphanies and the lessons. We attempt to see the way in all professions so that we may better understand our own path. Unhurried and determined, make today a victory over yourself of yesterday tomorrow a victory over those of lesser skill. My name is Jake Trapp and this is The Way in All Things. Pam, who are you and what are you and how long have you been what you are?
1: <laughs> I love that question. I could answer it in so many ways. <laughs>
2: but
1: I am an artist um, and I've been a working artist since 1989 so that's a really scary 43 years and I paint my business had been through many iterations but now I paint um mandala stones and I sell my work mostly at Pike Place Market and online mm-hmm. um and that's who I am right now there's lots more to me but
0: yeah that's <laughs> your that's your craft <laughs>
1: that's my that's why I'm here yeah
0: yeah so how did you how did you discover this path And like, what was your life like leading up to it? And then what was the discovery like? And then what has it been? Like, how has it kind of like panned out?
1: This is a a long story. I'll try to keep short.
0: Uh You can go long if you want.
3: (laughs)
1: Okay. So I moved out here to go to Evergreen. At the end of my time at Evergreen, I got a full time job at the women's shelter in town. And Um, I was there for a couple years and then the funding ran out for my position and I've always done art my whole life. It's just really been important to me is how I express myself and it's it's just always something I've done. So I had been painting these little hand painted eggshells for gifts for people. And when the funding ran out for my position and I was in the middle of trying to find a grant or something um, and worried about money. some friends said, oh, you should sell those little eggs you paint. And because I was couldn't think of anything else to do, I, I did that. And so I painted a whole bunch of them. And I went up to Pike Place Market with my boyfriend, who I lived with at the time, and we sold out. And so we did it again the next week, and we sold out. And then we did it again the next week, and we sold out. Kept raising the prices, we kept selling out. And that became a business. And it wasn't all that long before I realized that I didn't have to go back to my other job. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd never intended on starting a business, but art is my passion and the thing I love the most in my life, so I was pretty excited about it. And then the business grew really big, and um, just because it was a really unique product and being at a place like Pike Place Market where 10,000 people walk through every day, I got a fair amount of attention from the press. People would walk through and ask if I could, they could do an article. And then after not too long, I was featured on a whole bunch of TV shows, um, on the news, um, in a whole bunch of national magazines and the business just took off on its own. And, um, so I did that for, and then my boyfriend quit his job and started working with me or for me or both. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, And we did that for like eight or 10 years, and then I got really sick of painting eggs because, frankly, I was working 17 hours a day, seven days a week, and I didn't really have a life they were just so labor intensive. So we decided to try something else and we came up with another product, which was a a certain kind of jewelry that was kind of a fad at the time. Well, it wasn't a fad yet, but it became a fad just after we started making it and so it also took off. And I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life and, um, and loving it. But then that fad came to a peak and passed. And then I was kind of left with a, a dying business. So that was the first time that I had to really be intentional about my business and make choices and say, "Okay, this is what I've been doing the last 12 years or 14 years, whatever it had been. I want to still do it, but I can't do it with this. So that was when I learned to, like, make decisions, decisions and choices and learn about marketing. And so I start I tried to go back to the eggs. But by then, my boyfriend and I had broken up and it was just too much work for me alone when I hired people to help, they didn't have the same attention to detail that I did and I was burning out. So I essentially short story short shortening Mm. a long story. I over the years have gone through several product lines, um, and added to them. So at times I was doing whole bunches of things. Like I started doing clocks and nightlights and coloring books and magnets and uh, what else? Uh, magnetic bookmarks, prints of my artwork, a card line. It, it expanded and then sometimes contracted. So in other words, like people stopped buying clocks after a while because people don't anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Everybody
1: uses their technology for that. And so then I had to adapt to that, come up with another line and expand that. So essentially the latest, um, the latest version of my business, which is the one I love the most, is um, painting these uh, hand-painted mandala stones. And I've completely cut back from, my business grew really big. I was selling, when I had all those different lines going, of all those many products with my artwork on them, um, I was selling to about four or five hundred stores across the country. I had started to do wholesale, and I was my website was super busy, and Pike Place was super busy, And um, then we don't have to get into this, but the wholesale market has really changed for artists in the last five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it started to shrink for various reasons I won't go into. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not really worth it. And so I don't do wholesale anymore because the shows are just incredibly expensive and harder to make a profit at. And I just do these Mandela stones online and at Pike Place. So my business has sort of come back home to being a much smaller business in terms of selling all over the country at shows, but it's the most satisfying thing I've ever done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like kind of, so you said like at a certain point you started like intentionally thinking about things, what were you doing like before that? Or is it kind of more just. So before
1: that it was all luck. Like Mm -hmm. I really, um, I had no idea how hard it was to be in business because all those amazing PR opportunities, I even I was asked to paint an egg for the White House. I mean, they all just came to me like magic. I never advertised. I never did anything online. It was before online, you know, before the web.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, things were just falling in my lap. And I did not realize how hard it was. Um, I was making so much money. And, you know, I just didn't. I didn't have to struggle. And then when I restarted the business, the third time after the jewelry bombed, I had to really make decisions like what will sell and why, what is my theory about what I want to sell? Do I want it to be recycled? Do I want it to be affordable? Do I, is it important to me for it to be able to go into production and make high quantities of it like I used to do? Mm -hmm. How do I price it so that it's affordable to everyone? how do I market it? And then, you know, social media came along and had to figure out that. And I had to start, you know, placing ads in trade magazines. And, you know, it was all these things that you learn that in, when you're in business, that it's not that I hadn't been doing all of them, but I hadn't really had to do all of them. And now I did. Mm-hmm. So it was really consciously building the business with purpose with intention and um with kind of a philosophy behind it which is I do want my work to be affordable but I also have learned that I deserve to live on it totally (laughs) really hard so um you know I really learned a lot more about pricing about packaging the costs of packaging all those things that um just came easily before yeah so
0: um See, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but so So it's kind of like, I mean, if someone were to do like what you you did, they would probably start <laughs> off where where you're intentionally, where you intentionally kind of start doing things. Exactly. If, if you had to go back and you had to do everything intentionally from the start, would you feel like you had been a success? And if you did all that and then you ended up not selling out would you have kept going? Because that's like, I think.
1: Right. That's such a good question. Yeah. In the very beginning, say I had showed up at Pike Place Market with the eggs and they hadn't sold. I wouldn't have believed I could do it. So Mm. I probably would have given up because I was too new and I Mm -hmm. didn't have any model of success in that area. So I probably would have given up. But after a couple of years of doing that, I loved it, and it became my passion, and my. Um, it, it, it was my way of life, you know, mm-hmm. making art and selling it, and I learned so much just in the process of that. I couldn't imagine giving it up, but if I'd started in the beginning um, with intention, I also think I might have been overwhelmed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm not a person who... <laughs> Who likes to study? So although I teach classes to other business people, I I do I have taken many classes in things like sales techniques or booth display, things like that. But if it was like a class in pricing or taxes or things like that in the beginning, I think I would have just, my head would have spun and I would have said, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And because those are the hard parts and those are the parts I still don't really like. Mm -hmm. But you got to do them if you want to do the parts you like.
3: Totally, yeah.
1: So I think that I might have jumped ship early if if I looked at how complicated it was from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, I I was just reading um, Frederick Douglass's, he gave a speech about being a self-made man, and I can't remember if he quoted Jefferson or he quoted someone saying, like, you must just toil and trust of just, like, working. And, like, because even if you do do all that planning and all that strategic stuff yep you never you're not gonna know because until you like put the work out there you don't have any feedback so it's like absolutely it almost seems like it is better to just blindly do things but everyone would tell you to oh you need to be intentional or conscious about what you're doing you need to like learn this this and this and this and this and then that's all on put on top of like doing the actual work of making the thing itself, which Absolutely. can kind of kill it uh, or smother it.
1: And I was so lucky because when things were going, you know, so easy during those first 10 years, I was learning so much. Mm-hmm. I was learning all that stuff. Um, so by the time it came to reinventing the business, I had so much knowledge. I had tons of resources. Mm-hmm my whole social circle, almost my whole social circle now is people who do that for a living. So if I needed quest- had questions or needed help or advice about, you know, where do you advertise or something, I had that network by then, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have known where to look for all that in the beginning. Yeah. So I, I mean, I really, I really lucked out. And I honestly have to say, I have such admiration for people who start off at the beginning, um you know putting all that work and time into a business because I didn't think I was going to have a business the business just happened to me
3: Mm
1: -hmm. so I didn't have to say I think I'm going to start a business how will I do that who will work for me how will what will I make how will I price it where will I sell it it just kind of fell into place and I have such admiration and respect for people who start in that position
0: yeah it's uh It's because that's where I'm because you could end up like just chasing your tail, like, oh, I need to figure out pricing, but you never actually figure it out. And then you'll be like, all right, I need to figure out what I'm actually going to make. And then but you don't ever actually figure that out. And then it's just like this endless loop of like, trying to figure things out, but you're not figuring anything out or doing any work. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, it's so true. And, um, you know, I tell my students when I teach them, like, if you don't love doing it, it's it's going to be really hard for you because there's so much at the beginning that's overwhelming and scary, but Mm. there's so much joy in it. And, um, and I think if you start, especially in the world of crafts and art, I don't know that you can start a business by saying, okay, I want to have an art business. What can I sell? Yeah. You think you already have to be the artist and be making what you love or, or what people are interested in, if you have friends around you, like I did. And, um, and then the business idea has to come because it, if you don't have the passion and the interest and the motivation, just sitting around going, Hmm, what could I sell? Uh, It's not very inspiring. It's not very fun. And it's probably not very likely to be successful because the passion and addiction to it is a kind of a critical part of what makes it work
0: yeah so like before there's any thought of business you were doing it and making these things and it was something that was special to you and magical to you and like yeah. you were into it like like describe that because it's easy to like tamp down feelings of like curiosity thinking like you should be doing something else or like oh I should be you know working on my finances or right. I should be, you know, making my LinkedIn profile tip-top shape, or like learning Excel because it's a valuable skill. But they're these are all things that you should do, and it's not really following like that kind of curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, what is? Can you describe like what that was like? Like, what's what makes like the art important and special to you? That, like is, why?
1: Such, that is such a hard thing. You know, I've had to answer that question before, and it's really hard. The only thing I can tell you is that it was the one place in my life from when I was very, very little that I felt peace. I mean, I, you know, I didn't come from a horrible home, but I had a difficult childhood, as most of us do. And, um, And my dad was a difficult man and very judgmental. And I think it helped me stay motivated that or stay or love what I did maybe in that my art was one of the only things he ever gave me compliments about Hmm. and I've often wondered if I'd even be in business now if that wasn't the case so that was something I felt secure in from a very little you know probably three or four I was drawing pictures and hearing that they were great and so when you get compliments as a little kid you want to do it more Mm -hmm. and it's more fun because people like it so all I can say is that throughout my whole life, doing art is the place where I feel most myself. I feel most at peace. It's, and I, I don't even, honestly, like it is so hard to express. I, I love color, and I see art everywhere I go. You know, in nature, in a store display, in something. You know, anything. And it's always been how I was. So it was just, it's how I saw the world. And it's what, because of that, what made me happy was adding more of that to my world, Mm -hmm. you know, if that makes any sense. So, um, I just, all I can say is that, you know, now, especially in doing the mandala stones, it's a meditation. It's, Mm -hmm. I really feel like I meditate all day. It's incredibly peaceful. It's very calming. It's rhythmic. It centers me. And I need that in my life. Mm -hmm. I need that in my life. And the fact that it, you know, we all do. And the fact that it produces it, luckily for me, something beautiful that I can then share and pass on to others is an added bonus, but I'd be doing it either way.
0: Just because
1: you can't, I can't not, you know
0: totally yeah i think uh charles bukowski said the same thing about when he was really? like writing poetry when he's working at the post office he's like if you're not compelled to write you're or what was it what did he say? it's like if you're not compelled to or compulsed to like you don't have it or something like that yeah. it's like it's something he had to do yeah and that's like what kept him alive
1: for, yeah I have said like when you have to write a bio for you know we have to put bios and show information or in a um a a press packet that we send out or whatever as artists and I always my bio says um do making art is as essential to me as food and oxygen Hmm. because I don't I do not I would not I feel like not only would I not feel complete without it, I wouldn't feel like myself without it. And I don't think I would feel anywhere as much alive without mm-hmm. it.
0: Yeah. So then what was it like? It's like kind of like the special thing to you. And then what did it feel like when you finally put it out in the world to be judged and bought and criticized or just or, or praised or whatever into yeah. the world?
1: You know, that was crazy. I mean, I remember that first day at Pike Place Market and Mm -hmm. we didn't even have a display. We brought up egg cartons and put them out on the table, Mm -hmm. you know, because that was the only way we could felt thought we could transport them at the time. (laughs) And I was so and when I got there, we got there and we're looking at everybody else's beautiful displays, as beautiful as you can make on a four foot table. And um, I'm thinking, oh, my God, nobody's going to like this stuff. Is anyone going to actually pay me money for it? And I was vastly undercharging at the time, too. (laughs) And um, I was nervous. But, you know, by the end of that day, when they all disappeared, I was like, wow, wait a minute, like people like this. And of course, it felt amazing. And then to go back the next week and the next week and have it continue, it just builds your confidence and and also you know when you show up at a place like a craft fair or pike place market all the other artists are come up and meet you and go oh i love your work and i'm like mm-hmm. my work you know yeah. i do my work that's just tomatoes i painted you know it was just it was all so new the whole art world the professional art world for me then but it was it wasn't scary after like the first day it was really exciting and i thought i was going to be going back to a to a job
2: mm-hmm. so i
1: didn't feel um i didn't you know i had a safety net in my mind i didn't think this was going to be my career also so i wasn't putting a ton of pressure on myself about being successful and that's the other thing about when you start intentionally from the very beginning you have to succeed it's your baby mm-hmm. you're putting You know, I didn't put any money into my business outside of, a, you know, several dozen eggs and some paints Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and rent at Pike Place Market, which was something like a dollar a day at the time. Um, (laughs) I mean, not anymore, but it was then. So, you know, I didn't have to go through that. Like, I didn't feel pressured about whether people accepted it or not.
3: Mm.
1: And, Hmm. and. And so that first week, I was like, "Wow, this is cool. This is fun." But I wouldn't think I'd be doing it for the rest of my life.
3: Yeah.
0: So that
1: made it easier to be excited about it. Like, oh, this is fun for a while. You know, yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what's your relationship like to work, like with work in your craft?
1: I mean, um, well, can you re- can you? Exp- add to that question
0: yeah like you said you'd spend 17 hours a day or whatever eight you know yeah most people don't spend that amount of time on anything yeah and (laughs) like it's I think even if you did you'd get burnt out so like what was
1: yeah I never got burnt out um until the very end of that 10 years um or 12 whatever it was um I I think I drove my friends crazy because I couldn't not do it. And I was, it didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like work. And it wasn't just the painting. It was being at Pike place market. It was the packaging. We pretty early on did a catalog and we're selling by mail, a physical catalog Mm because we weren't on the web yet. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was just uh, incredibly like it, I think maybe even because it came so easy and was so getting so much amazing attention, it fed my excitement and my confidence. Mm. So I was just like, yeah, let's do this 24 seven. You know, this is fun. This is exciting. It didn't feel like work for a long time. Um, now when I, when my boyfriend and I broke up and I moved into the house I'm in now and have been for the last 30 years, um, I made a decision that I would not start work till 9 o'clock because I was starting every morning between 6.30 and 7. And I was working till, you know, midnight, 10, 11, midnight, whatever, every day. I decided that I would start every morning at 9 and I would stop every day at 5. And at first it was it was hard, but it became easy really fast. And for so for me, the thing that was... The hard part was not working so hard so much. Yeah. And then I learned to remember that I, I needed balance in my life. I was newly single at the time and I wanted to sort of focus on that new phase of my life. Mm-hmm. And um so I I started to and also I started taking Sundays off, which I had never done before. So mm-hmm. I would I work all day in the studio. I go to Pike Place Market on Saturdays. And Sunday, I do not work. And that was really huge for me. I mean, I still, I miss having weekends. And sometimes I take them. But I don't feel overworked. Hmm. You know, when you love what you do, as they say.
0: Yeah, I I know. But I'm just like someone where, maybe it's a generation thing. But I feel like my curiosity or focus doesn't last. It doesn't last that long in anything even if it's something that i really really enjoy it'll be like okay that's enough of that thing and yeah move on to the next thing but
1: Um, if you were doing that thing and getting tons of attention and support and making mm. money off of it and things were coming to you and opportunities were coming your way i bet you would have stuck with it
0: totally yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: And that's why I say I was blessed because yeah. I didn't have to go through that struggle that so many business people do. Mm-hmm. And um I was just, I mean, I, I couldn't, it was I couldn't slow it down. It was just crazy. Snowballing. Yeah. Yeah, it was snowballing and I was on the ride, you know, holding mm-hmm. on to the reins <laughs> and you know, shouting with glee the whole way. Woo-hoo! Let's <laughs> yeah.
0: go. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I've kind of been noticing is um, the uh, people that are successful in things are kind of get get like kind of big success. It's that yeah. that beginning was very disproportionate amount of reward to the amount of work that they put in. And it sounds like it didn't feel like work at all to you. So just like I,
1: yeah.
0: you know, you won the yeah. lotto <laughs> doing. And
1: now it's just what I do. I don't, I mean, it is my work, but I don't, I, I, every single day and I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating about this every single day for the last 43 years. I've thought, I am so lucky. I don't have to get up and go to a job. I hate with a boss. I don't like, or even a boss I do like. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I get to do this. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it's the only time it's hard is, you know, during quarantine and my business was closed and, um, you know we were also isolated and still kind of are i had some low points during mm-hmm. that period to some degree not a lot but there were some days where i felt like i have no energy for this because i spent quarantine painting all day every single day to have a ton of stock because i just thought well i'm not going to stop working i might stop selling but i'm not going to stop working mm-hmm. and so There were times during that time, although not many, where it was just, especially like the first year was kind of fun and I was getting unemployment, so paid vacation,
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) except that I was working every day. But then, um, you know, after that, there were some real slumps where, you know week a week or two at a time where it was just really hard to be motivated because just from being isolated and not probably because i wasn't getting fed by the stimulation of meeting my customers and Mm
3: -hmm.
2: being at
1: pike place and talking to my other artist friends and going to shows and yeah yeah our lives got really small you know
0: totally so i
1: don't think that's anything unique but you Mm -hmm. know i went through it like everybody else did
0: yeah um What advice as best as you can to like for someone who is going to do what you did, but like, where would you tell them like to start to like where they would kind of be set up for the, their odds were as best as they could be given (laughs) that chance is like the thing that could like really make or break them. But like, what was the right like attitude or perspective or wrong expectations or right expectations? What would you say? Um, I think you kind of said it earlier of just having that interest or curiosity and like letting that kind of pull you along. Yeah.
1: Just letting your, your love for what you do pull you along and, um, and how do I, I don't know how to put this in words, but, um, Hmm, just to, Basically, it's believing in yourself, being curious, and more than that, being open, which is really hard, to criticism and advice, not from your family and not from your friends. And ask for it often and be very open even if you don't like the answers. Um, That that would be the first thing I think is really important. And I I tell you, um, artists... There aren't business classes for artists, you know, when people go to art school, they get dumped out and then they got to figure the rest out. They know how to paint or they know how to sculpt or weave or whatever they do. That's why I started teaching the workshops and classes, which I haven't done in a few years now, because I saw people at shows and stuff who were just brand new and were screwing it up so bad and didn't know what they were doing and were really scared and would come up to those of us who'd been doing it for a while and say, it's slow. I'm not getting any orders. I'm just going to give up. And you could see they did beautiful work.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, and, and most of people, you know, most of us who had been in it a while could kind of see where they were steering themselves wrong. So that's why I started doing the workshops because there are things you need to know. And those things would be, I think the most important things you have to start with uh, are learning to price, of course, um, learning to market, learning to package your work beautifully. If that's, you know, if you know, like and branding. So you want to come up with a good business name. You want to come up with a good logo. It doesn't seem important, but it really is. Um, So I would try to teach all those skills you need in one full weekend. And that's what I honed it down to. And then, um, you know, we would have panelists come in. So they would have a panel of artists that they could ask those questions of, you know, here's the thing about being a working artist is we're all completely isolated. Mm -hmm. We don't work in groups. We work alone for the most part. I mean, glass blowers might have kind of a crew they work with. But Mm -hmm. um, and there's probably other instances of that. But we work alone. And so it's really easy to get in your head and there's no one to ask those questions of. So at the workshop, I would have a panel of artists come in so they could just ask any question they want. And I also had everybody bring their work and show it to the panelists and say, you know, you have to be open to the advice the panelists give you, which might be like, this isn't going to sell, but maybe you could do this or your prices are way too low or way too high. Your packaging does not look as expensive as you might want to, whatever it would be, all those things that you don't learn anywhere else. And then I would have a panelist of retail, retailers come in, so wholesale buyers, and they would get to ask them, like, would you buy this? What would you want? How would you want me to package this? What do you think would be a reasonable price for you to be able to resell it at? Mm. All those things. And that's just because we don't have another place to go. And those are the things you need to learn. So if you don't have, what I'm getting at is, if you don't have that, yeah. you don't have the opportunity for that kind of workshop. You got to find somebody to ask those questions to. So whether it's an, you know, a Facebook group, uh, you know, a Reddit group, um, an artist community near you. Um, an open studio area where people rent studio space whatever it is you've got to find other people who do what you do and and buy what you make if you're into wholesale and ask all those questions and that's that's what makes it so hard because it's real hard to reach out at first because you don't have that community yet
3: Mm, you got to
1: do it and that's why facebook groups and everything are so important to artists because it's the one way You know all the facebook groups i'm in are artists i know from all over the country most of us aren't close to each other but we now have a community that's the beauty of the internet it's one of the many beautiful things about the internet is that artists now and so many other people too can have a community like that to mentor them
0: yeah i know that is like a nice thing about the internet but it's what's tricky is there's so many other like rabbit holes you can go down that are right there on it and Mm -hmm. it's like you have it's it's it's. there's like those gold vein or you know vein of gold in like those facebook groups because i've been part of them too yeah but then you have the rest of facebook right there or you have instagram right there and like that can just pull you so far away from doing the things you need to do
1: yeah that is true i i have to say like since quarantine (laughs) Mm -hmm. i have to really rein in my phone and computer time because mm-hmm. you know it was a, our one way of connecting during that time, so I was on Facebook more, on TikTok more, on Instagram more, and you you really do have to learn if you're if you're going on Facebook in the middle of your workday to look up the answer to a question, that better be all that you do. Oh, yeah, you know, set a timer or something because I've done that before. Where mm-hmm. like, oh, and then my friend Mary posted about her sailing trip, and I should go look at that, and then yeah. you know there's there goes your afternoon yeah that's just all about the discipline of being a business owner and when i you know when nine o'clock hits i'm at work and that that took a long time for me to um to negotiate with myself i guess is that at nine o'clock i don't answer my personal phone unless it's important i don't answer texts unless they're really quick And I am focused on work at nine o'clock and then at five o'clock I can disengage. Mm -hmm. And until then, those distractions are not allowed. And it it really takes focus and discipline.
0: So how did you do that? Because I've just been trying to do that recently too. I've been (laughs) learning a lot about like Shaolin monks and like, that's one thing that they say that their day is very structured and like there's a time for eating and that time, yeah eating is at the time for eating it's not eating before it's not eating after it's like right if you're hungry you have to wait um you
1: know yeah i i don't know except for that when it's so important to you and it's what pays your bills mm-hmm. that makes a big difference you know it's <laughs> like if i don't do this my bills won't get paid Yeah. so this is this is what i do and also i'll tell you something i just did which is i realized um that when I do those things, the distracting things, and this goes for all sorts of things, you know, whether it's eating the wrong things or being lazy and not exercising or um, being bad and getting on the internet when I should be at work at nine, and maybe it's nine twenty, and I'm still looking at TikTok. Um, that that's a choice I'm making. That's mm-hmm. a choice I'm making, and I I forget that it's a choice. I just it sort of just becomes a habit or a, a little pull that you feel like that little edgy part of you, that ADD part of you. If you have yeah. that, it makes you go, what, what's that over there? You know, yeah. shiny thing.
2: It's sneaky. And
1: yeah, shiny thing's pulling me that way. Mm-hmm. So I actually, because this is true in other areas of my life um, where I haven't been making good choices, like about what I eat and what I, um, and not exercising at all. And I, I literally today just got out of the mailbox, this little tiny bracelet I ordered that says choose on it. Hmm. And I, as soon as I can get it on, because I can't with I need a friend to help me. I, I did that so that I would remember every time I saw that on my wrist that every single thing I do during the day needs to be a conscious choice.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that I can't fall into a habit by default or by laziness or you know if i'm eating crappy that's because i'm choosing to eat crappy and mm-hmm. i can make different choices yeah um, so i actually i have to remind myself too mm-hmm. and that's why I, I did that you know
0: yeah so i mean did that take a long time to cultivate because it's i feel like i've tried to have days where like all right i'm going to be kind of conscious and mindful the whole day and i get yeah. like kind of burnt out it's kind of like my mindfulness endurance isn't isn't that great so yeah yeah um i mean what what advice would you have about like cultivating kind of that endurance of consciousness
1: (laughs) that's really hard to answer because honestly i'm no expert on it and i've i've only been really struggling with it probably since quarantine because Mm -hmm. i just got lazy and probably depressed sometimes um i've always for that been a pretty focused person. Um, although I I can't say I've always made great choices about food or exercise, but, um, mm-hmm. it was, it was for me, it was during quarantine where I realized I wasn't choosing, I was just falling into bad habits. Yeah. So I think it's really just about, you just have to commit to it. You whether it's writing in your journal every morning or having a mantra you say to yourself or, uh, You know, a friend that you call when you feel distracted. I mean, there's so many coping techniques, Um, but I think you just have to find your own. If it's important to you, you just have to find your own and decide I'm going to make the choice to make my life or my business or my relationship or whatever it is better. And in order to do that, every moment I am making a choice that either benefits or doesn't benefit me every single moment all day.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so if you realize that, then you can bring into your consciousness, okay, that biscotti that's sitting next to me that has chocolate on it that I really want <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: is calling my name. <laughs> but am I going to choose that? You know, I just have to stop and say that to myself. Yeah, and And if I do, I need to take responsible responsibility for it because I chose it whether it's that or not working today or you know ignoring those overdue bills on your desk or whatever it is I am not a victim ever Mm. I am choosing and that's and you know this is something I always tell my students and my friends too is that there is only one person in the entire universe who will ever put you first always and that's you you And you better start doing
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I kind of, I, on one of the previous episodes uh, with Wyatt, we kind of talked about the same thing of just kind of deciding to make a change yeah. in people's lives. And uh, you kind of said like, it's, you know, make you know, it has to be important to you. And what I'm like kind of struggling with is like, do you get to decide what's it like, how important something is to you? Or is that kind of like decided for you? And the example in that other podcast we talked about was, uh, you know, a construction worker who's like an alcoholic for 30 years and yeah. he, it had, it took him 30 years to get to that point to where he yes. decided he was going to not drink. Like he, he probably thought it was important not to drink, but it, uh, for whatever reason, at that certain point at 30 years, he decided to do it and what i talked ready. about in the podcast was like i didn't like that it wasn't up to me to decide it or didn't it maybe it is but it's just it feels like you need that catalyst or that something i don't know uh, or is it just willpower i want you or self-discipline no i do deciding. think
1: you're right i think there has to be a spark or something that happens you know yeah. that you know whether it's the alcoholic who could spot him or his wife leaves him or he gets in a car accident or just you know, whatever one day becomes more conscious of the poor choices he's making, which, you know, maybe because he is grew up in a family that has an addiction issue. It's not. Mm-hmm. So in the very beginning, it wasn't his choice to have that in his DNA. Mm-hmm. But um at some point, I think, I really think that most of us go through life feeling like victims. And that, um yeah. and that is definitely true for me some days, too. Like, you know, I'm a victim of, this whole stupid as we all are (laughs) you know COVID thing and Mm -hmm. I could sit around and go oh why is this happening to us and I do some Mm -hmm. days or I could also go how about if I paint every day for the next year or whatever till this is over and why don't I choose that instead and I don't know what sparked me that day to be able to say that yeah you know it's like um my parents had a very, very close friend who is one of the most famous graphic designers ever. Um, his name is Paul Rand, and he designed all the logos that you know: UPS, Westinghouse, NBC, Apple, all of them. You know, he all the big ones practically. And um he was very, very revered, especially in the graphic arts world, but also by other artists. And um So we had a friend who came to visit us and he really, really wanted to meet Paul. He was a graphic artist. And so we went, we took him over to Paul's house and we were all sitting around. And this guy said, where do you get your ideas? And Paul just laughed and he said, you know, if any artist ever answers that question, they are lying because (laughs) we don't know.
3: Yeah, (laughs) You don't know.
1: And I feel like that's the same about, like, what moment makes you choose or what, Mm -hmm. you know, those sparks that you have in your life where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this, you know, you don't always know where it came from, and you really don't have to. But I think it's about kind of realizing that it needs to happen and being open.
0: Yeah, and to like knowing that it will come eventually and that you need to take advantage of it yeah that you might not get another one um maybe you will but i've been i read this business book is like uh the theory of constraints when i was going to school and it was Mm -hmm. a horrible book but there's just like (laughs) that there's it could have been written in three pages but it was like 400 oh i hate Um, those books and just like the kind of You know there's only going to be so many there's only so like there's bottlenecks there's only and just the limitations of things like you're only going to have so many you know sparks of genius in your lifetime yeah you're only going to have so many sparks of genius when you're young in your lifetime and right right getting that little like a good spark when you're young and trying to like turn that into a fire that carries out through your whole lifetime is much different than getting that spark when you're 50 and you only have 20 years or 10 years to really try to build that fire as big as you can.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think being open, um, and I don't really know how that manifests itself except for just to be awake and aware all the time is critical because one of the things that happens, um, like, you know, this is another thing I talk about when I teach is that let's just say somebody makes, very specific kind of jewelry and they're really attached to that and that's what they want to sell but and so their whole focus is i have to sell this xyz bracelet line and i'm going to make it work um and it's not working they they may not if you're too focused on the path in front of you and you only see it as having one direction you could miss so many other opportunities as you're walking along that path. Mm
0: -hmm. So you have
1: to always kind of be looking for the little side road or the customers, maybe customers are saying to you, I would like that so much better if it was, you know, metal or if it was a different color or if I could use it for this. Um, And you're missing it because you're only seeing that, that one thing that you have decided is the thing. Mm And, and it can be that way, like, say you're looking for a job and you think, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to find a teaching job. And that's just an example, but, you know, and all you're looking for is teaching jobs. And meanwhile, people, all your friends are saying to you, you know what you're really good at, you know, and it's something else. Or people are offering you opportunities and you're going, no, I'm going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I'm saying is, Listen to the opportunities and the voices that the world is bringing you, that the universe is bringing you. And um, and you can have your path, and it's great to be dedicated to your path, but don't be too rigid because um you're gonna you could miss so many little signs and opportunities that there's something else for you or mm-hmm. that it just needs to be a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of like, I think it's like a joke, but there's like this guy drowning and uh, a boat yes. comes up. You know that one. And yeah, then, but go ahead and tell it. Yeah, a guy's drowning, a boat comes up and asks him to say, him if he needs saving. He's like, no, God will save me. And two more boats came up and asked him the same thing. And the guy dies and he's in heaven. And the guy is like, God, why didn't you save me? And he's like, I sent you three boats, you three idiot. Boats.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that parable. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm talking about, is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the being open, like, for instance, for me, you know, when my, when I started to bring the eggs back, and it didn't go well, briefly, or the jewelry line started to die, um, I could have thought, oh, that's a sign, I don't know what I'm doing. And I should, I should just quit. Because if that was the only thing I was willing to do, it wasn't working. yeah. But I could also see it as an opportunity, which I did and have done many times now. I think I don't even know how many versions of my business there have been. (laughs) But if you take it as an opportunity and you're like, okay, what did this teach me? What is this teaching me right now? What am I being shown? I'm being shown that I do know how to be in business. I've been successful for however many years. This is not the right product. Why is it not the right product? Figure out why it's not the right product, what people aren't loving about it, and then decide and notice what people love and um and what they gravitate towards. And um so in failure, there's so much opportunity. I mean, I I don't really, you know, this is just corny and people say this all the time, and I don't really believe there is such a thing as failure. I think there's only uh-huh. opportunity mm-hmm. if you can, but it's about choosing. You can choose to feel like a failure or you can choose to say, okay, this isn't the path I was supposed to be on. What road did I miss? You know, Mm -hmm. what opportunities ahead, you know, what did I leave behind on this path? Is there, is there another way to look at this path or approach Mm -hmm. it?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, what would you say is like the biggest obstacle you faced so far and like, what was the experience of like overcoming it and in my work? um or in life too but life could be both
1: mm, biggest obstacle i I would say the biggest obstacle was probably myself sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i i i don't know that i could answer that because i've certainly had obstacles and i've had times my business was really slow and i was really scared and um And so, you know, this thing seemed like a dead end and they weren't in my personal life. You know, um, the last few years have been really hard and um, there have been some huge obstacles. There was um, really financially a scary time during COVID um, when my unemployment got cut off and because there was some issue with it. I ended up getting it back, but I went for a year without it and was Mm -hmm. really struggling. Um, So that was huge. And that was, um, for me, the obstacle then, the big lesson I learned then was learning that it's okay to ask for help. That Mm. was really hard for me. So I think that my ego was an obstacle Mm -hmm. over that. I didn't want to admit to anybody after being so successful for so many years that I was struggling
2: Mm. at that point.
1: And, um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't feel like there's a big, bad wolf out there for me, except for myself.
3: Hmm.
0: hmm. Um,
1: and I'm good at it
0: sometimes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It could be a big
0: obstacle. <laughs>
1: yeah. I can really do a number of myself some days. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. This is like kind of a weird question. Um,
2: it's I love kind of like, yeah, well, it's <laughs>
0: like, uh, hopefully you can like answer it in some way, but, in one of my samurai books, they're talking about cutting to the heart of something yeah. um, like getting to the heart of things. So what would you say is like the most essential thing that, that you might understand intuitively or that's counterintuitive about your craft that is like kind of like the essence of it? Like, it's the North star. It's a golden principle. Like the thing that if an artist kept this in mind or kept this feeling or whatever in the back of their mind, that success was like guaranteed if they kept and they stayed on that right direction, kept that thing in their mind. And like, is this something brewing or do you want a more example?
1: Well, I think I understand your question. And I don't know that there is one magic bullet. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think, um I do really think one of the biggest things is being open to being wrong about mm-hmm. your product about your pricing about your whatever it is about your business in general um and and being open to listen to what others say and how they react it's really hard like to be at a show um and people walk by and don't buy anything and you hear them saying oh I could make that or something you know artists, put up with a lot of abuse at shows. Mm -hmm. And um, I really think you have to be in a place of knowing that maybe this is the big thing, knowing not that not everybody is going to love what you do. Mm -hmm. It's just for some people. And you just have to trust that those people will find you and not be discouraged when the wrong ones do find you or the right ones don't just find your way to them, decide who they are. And, um, and if you, I feel like if you, I don't know what, I don't know how to put this in words again, but mm-hmm. if you know who those, if you know that you love what you do and it's a special thing and it's for you and it's, um, and your friends or some other people have commented on it, there will be other people who love it, but it's not going to be everybody. So it's okay to have a bad day and it's okay to have a bad show and it's okay to have a bad month. Um, that's okay. That's all part of it. And I think just remembering that that's part of the journey, the ups and downs and knowing that it's going to be that way. It's going to be up. It's going to be down. It's going to be, um, great it's going to be crappy there's going to be days when you just don't feel like it but if you just know it's going to be a bumpy road Mm -hmm. and you know that the bumps are there to give you an opportunity or to give you a rest you know maybe you need to take a week off and Mm -hmm. that's the other thing I think is super important is that um, and I think this is true for any self-employed person not just artists you feel like you just have to work all the time because you're alone in it. And you're the person, you, you're the one that you have to rely on. You know, mm-hmm. there nobody anybody else is going to bail you out or take care of it for you. And so you it can lead to pressuring yourself a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think the other really important thing is knowing it's okay to stop and take a break, especially if you're art an artist, because if you're not inspired and you're not having fun, your work is going to show it. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay to go, I'm not going to paint this week, or I'm not going to do that show next week. I need to take care of me. Because especially in the art world, what you're doing comes from um, such a deep place, Mm -hmm. both in your heart, in your spirit, in your brain, wherever you, you know, um, you see it as coming from, you have to feed that place. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing. And if that place is not getting fed, then you need to take a vacation or um, go take a walk or do nothing for a week but read a book.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: okay because you have to let that place in you refuel.
0: Yeah. Like the, that's that same, I don't know, Frederick Douglass speech about being self made. He yeah. kind of talks about, I, so I'm pretty sure it was that. They're talking about the spirit. Like, is, you could be, like, the toughest guy or whatever, but as soon as, like, the spirit goes, like, the whole thing falls yeah. apart. And, uh, yeah, it can be tough if you don't have, like... Because I know about that self-employed feeling, too, where you're just kind of, like... I describe it as, like, if you have a job, you're in the castle, and you have a place in the castle, No, you have the castle walls, and you're safe. But if you're self-employed... Like just starting out it's like you're outside of the castle completely naked and it's all it's all on you now yeah uh, yeah yeah that's so true yeah and it's it's it's
2: it's very scary
0: it's scary and it can be like exhausting yes and um and just draining and yeah like no one's there to like kind of pick your spirit up if it's i mean maybe you got friends and stuff but i mean but you that's could...
1: different because if they don't do what you do or they don't they've never been self-employed no one who is not self-employed or ever hasn't ever been self-employed can understand that
0: yeah it's like a they different do kind of intellectually
1: love. maybe sure they'll go yeah. oh it must be so hard like people yeah. say to me all the time and to every person i know who's uh, who's self-employed like oh, how do you do it you know it must be so hard you know it's all up to you those are just words that your other friends who do the same thing they're whether it's exactly the same thing or not but they're self employed they're the only ones that will get it and again that's why the internet's so beautiful or mm-hmm. having a community like Pike Place Market or if you work at Olympia Farmers Market you have a community of those people because yeah, you're all alone out there in the cold outside the castle.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess like to try to like keep that spirit up as like high as you can, what would be um, some things that someone going down this field that they, how, how do I word this? Like kind of the wrong things to do. Like overworking is like probably one. Like what are like some wrong ideas or expectations that they might have That they go into something and they have this high expectation, but they get hit with disappointment Yeah, and that can destroy the spirit. I mean, how many of those can you take before you just give up? Yeah. Or, um, yeah. yeah.
1: It's hard. I mean, I do think that remembering that, you know, for example, again, going to a show and hardly selling anything and you go home and think, I'm, I'm worthless. Nobody likes what I do oh. so alone in your house. And you're yeah. like, I can't believe how much work and money I put into that. And I lost $800 on that show. Oh. and nobody liked me and, you know, all those other people around me were doing so well, it's impossible not to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think you gotta rein it in and go, okay, stop it. Stop. I, I mean, this goes back to what I said before, is um, to stop and say, what did I learn here today? What did I learn? What Mm -hmm. are what did the customers or or lack of customers say to me? (laughs) You know, do people make comments Do people? um, So I think beating yourself up too much over a failure to is, it's just so counterproductive, you can't help it. But you got to look at what you could learn for from it. And I don't know why I learned that really early. Um, I always have felt that way. You know, my first uh, wholesale show was not very good and I could have just quit wholesale, but instead I called a friend who was in wholesale, who had been in wholesale. She wasn't anymore. And I said, "Will you do my next show with me
2: mm-hmm. and
1: teach me how to talk to buyers. Cause I realized that that's kind of where I, I didn't know how to talk to buyers. It's nothing like talking to, um,
0: so one person customer, one okay. person customer.
1: Yeah. It's, it's completely and totally different. Conversation, you know, you're not trying to sell a thing. You're trying to sell that that thing sells, and mm. we we'll make that money. So yeah. it's a totally different way of talking about your it's product. Mm-hmm. So you know, so m- my point being that the mistake would be to to fold up and go, I can't do this. The mistake would be to beat yourself up. You know, that is the biggest mistake and the hardest thing for any self-employed person or any person who's starting a new business to to just see themselves as a failure. And again, you know, I have to admit like if that happened three or four times in a row. I'd probably want to quit too.
2: Mm-hmm. Not
1: saying it's easy, you know, yeah. but that that's when you have to really dig deep. And it is, that's when a lot of people give up. I, I think there's also something that some people are just inherently born with, which is either, you know, grabbing onto things like a bulldog, and not Mm -hmm. being able to let go or having positive self-talk that keeps them through it or having a really support supportive family or partner um i mean some people just luck out and have those resources
3: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah what i've been like kind of finding and learning about is like it's dopamine like if you're a person who has a lot of dopamine you're going to be a person who's going to probably have a lot of success that's true
1: yeah that's interesting
0: yeah and like i was talking to my cousin about it um because i think there's like so dopamine is kind of like the motivation molecule once it makes you want want rewards and pursue things but serotonin right. is serotonin is more like a molecule that you'll get when you're like meditating it's like a mm-hmm. calm and like yeah, being yeah. here in the now so there's like you know chillax people who are like serotonin people and then there's dopamine people who are like the type a success driven yeah. overachievers And they're both, it's like in their nature to be both those things. So like, if you're like, if you're a dopamine person, it's in your nature to be a hard driver It you don't have to think about it the way a serotonin person might have to think about it. And it's like, it would be, I don't know if this is, this is my theory is like the dopamine person will tell the serotonin person, you need to work hard. You need to change your life. This is other things you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. But that is just as hard for the serotonin person to uh, uh, initiate doing all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it would be for the dopamine person to just chillax and meditate and take the Sunday off and not yeah. do anything and hang out with friends and have like yeah. a chill time.
1: And you know, that's interesting because a corollary to that is, I think, that artists live in their right brain. Most mm-hmm. artists are totally right brain. And so they don't have the business skills right brain is all about creativity and feeling and emotion and not about all the crap that you really have to do to run a business yeah and so it's the same thing where business people will say to an artist well you have to get your books in order and you have to get your pricing right and you need to figure this out and you have to have a business plan and you have to have an accountant and you have and and an artist will go oh my god you're giving me a headache just stop i (laughs) can't you know so like and i am just so incredibly lucky that i i must be balanced right brain and left brain because i love the creative and i love the business part too Mm
2: -hmm. um
1: and so i you know maybe going back to your question of what could you do wrong Mm
3: -hmm.
1: in relation to this is that if it, if there's something you can't do which is very very likely if you're an artist all mm-hmm. those things i just mentioned then either delegate or you have to be excited enough about your business to figure it out and learn it totally you know and um and that's just so hard for artists cuz we don't want to the reason that we want to make artists cuz we don't want to go to a job and crunch numbers and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> write contracts and you know that kind of stuff so we're just not those people. So there is something to learn about, you know, acknowledging what drives you and who you are and where your strengths and weaknesses are, whether it's dopamine and serotonin or right brain or left brain, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it, you have to be able to see what you're not good at and what you don't think you could be good at and figure out if you could find someone to help you or someone to do it for you.
3: Mm hmm
0: yeah it's uh it's a tricky thing because that's I mean that's what they, a lot of people talk about is like delegating delegating yeah. delegate that was
1: a big deal for me. I did not want to have employees at first,
0: yeah, well, it's a tough thing because like usually at the beginning you can't afford to delegate, so you Great. have to learn how to do things yourself yep. and uh that's one thing I don't like about all these self-help books It's like oh, if you don't if you don't like it, hire someone, but it's like <sighs> Yeah, Where well, am I supposed it, to get
1: that money, right? Yeah, if it was
0: that easy, everyone would be doing it.
1: <laughs> exactly. I know what you're talking about. I know. Yeah. And for me, also, there was the issue is that I thought I I did everything better than everybody else. I wasn't going to trust oh, yeah. anybody to do those things either. So In it was the same the
2: way. money yeah.
1: and like, well, no one can do it as good as me. So I yeah. might as just do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I really had to learn. I mean, I started with, I had a few part-time employees early on who would work from their own homes, and that was great for me. And then, um, as I started having studio assistants, I well, in fact, that's how I met you was by having looking for Evergreen interns. Mm-hmm. And um, it took a it took a lot for me to let go of controlling. And i I don't think I was the best boss at first because I was always trying to micromanage instead of mm-hmm. trusting people to do things their own way.
2: Mm -hmm. and go
1: and you know okay do it your way as long as it comes out the way i want you know as long as you get this result whether it's balanced books or Mm -hmm. you know casting the stones the right way because i do have someone who does that for me here um i don't have to care how you do it as long as you get it right that's so hard for me Mm -hmm. it was so hard for me now i'm much better and now i tell people do it my way for the first month yeah because i've been doing it for 43 years for however many years i've been doing that one particular skill (laughs) so trust me that i've tried a lot of things and i think this is the best way and then if after a month you want to try other things or you have suggestions or ideas we'll talk about it and you you know if you want to try other things go for it Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but
1: it still has to come out as good as the way i taught you to do it and in the same amount of time can't take five times as long
0: totally yeah
1: so (laughs) yeah
0: uh so i guess Going to like learning, like learning those, uh, like skills and stuff, or the they're making mistakes. But what's what's your relationship like with making mistakes? Like, maybe are like are you afraid of them, or maybe like some examples of where you did m- mess up big time, and like how did you deal with it? Uh, like,
1: there's two ways to answer that. There's probably yeah. more than two ways to answer. That. Here's yeah. here's one way. Uh, on a very small level painting eggshells teaches you to let it go when they when things don't go right because Mm. they break right they break all the time so i could work on an egg for an hour or two and have it be incredibly beautifully painted scene that i just or and then maybe even glaze it and have it ready to package and then. My cat would bat it around the room, or oh. it would crack for whatever reason, and I would just have a fit, like oh You know that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and I got to the point where they would break, and I would just go, "Okay, throw it in the garbage, and move on to the next one." And that translated that lesson. I really thought about that lesson as I felt the change. There's nothing I could do about it. It broke.
3: It yeah. Broke.
1: I, I paint breakable things. That's going to happen. <laughs> so I learned to let it go. And then that translated. Interestingly enough, I would consciously think about that when I screwed up other things in the rest of my business, like, you know, doing the books wrong or I keep coming up with the same examples, but, you know, trying a new technique that screwed up everything I did, losing a whole batch of stones because I, you know, used the wrong glaze or going to a show without doing my research and having it be terrible. It I began to adapt that attitude completely into the rest of my business, like, okay, it broke. It didn't work. Move on.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that honestly, that little lesson of the eggs really taught me that in a big time way. And I think about it still all the time. I think yeah. about it all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Another one of the books that I was reading, um, they're talking about like, I don't know who the guy was is like Mr. Beecher, but I don't know who that was. But he is there saying like, how do you get so much done? And he's like, I, uh, how how, yeah, how how do you get how do you get so many things done? He's like, uh or so how do you get so much more done than everyone else? And he said, I don't get more done than everyone else. So I actually get, I do, or I do less than everyone else because people will first they'll anticipate all the problems about what's going to happen they'll do the work and then they'll ruminate about how it went and then mr beecher would just do it and if he messed up he'd fix it and do it and then he'd move on to the next thing it's just like you just do it once and then it messes up you're doing it once again but you're just it's just what needs to happen
1: (laughs) yeah 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 i Um, mean it always comes back to attitude it's so many you know so much of it comes back to attitude is not being hard on yourself and just being open to the adventure and it's so hard we all take life so seriously
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and you luckily at least in my mind I'm a very spiritual person and I just think there are things you just have to let go of and remember they're just here for the ride you get to choose every day what you make that ride into and we're all gonna die And then it'll just be meaningless and over. So, why take it so damn seriously? Like, just go. Yeah. Stop beating yourself up. Just go and, you know, embrace life, including the mistakes and the scary parts. And really, I I don't know. Again, this is something I don't know how to say, but in the end, this sounds really dismissive in a way, but it kind of really doesn't matter. You know, we're just all tiny people on this planet doing our best. Yeah, you know? that's all. So if I don't, you know, I did my best. If I screwed mm-hmm. up and lost my job, or you know, had a fight with my husband or wife mm-hmm. or whatever, I don't have to beat myself up about that. That's part of the that's part of the whole adventure we're here for.
3: Yeah,
1: and that just comes from my spiritual beliefs, which really helps me balance things I I honestly don't know how people survive without some form of spirituality no matter what it is you know
0: yeah just a high pain tolerance I guess (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) because there has to be a perspective you know there has to be perspective and that's that's something we do to ourselves also is we our perspective can be so off like that's why you need friends to say it's not as big as you're making it that one show went bad it's not as big as you're making it that you dropped that egg on the floor and broke it you get to choose again back to that
2: yeah <laughs> how big to
1: make it and you can choose to make it really big and be devastated and lay on the couch for a week or you can choose to go okay hey, what's next
3: Hmm.
0: yeah yeah that can be uh that can be Tough sometimes though, especially if something really bad happens. You're like, oh my yeah. gosh, especially yeah, if it's like it three tough. in a row. If you get you like... know, there's a
1: really good book. I I honestly I haven't read it in years, but
3: mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna recommend it to you anyway. And then if it doesn't pertain to you, yeah, don't read it, but I'll recommend it to anyone who's listening who's in business. I read it years ago and it's called Visionary Business. And it's a very short little book, actually. I i listened to it on a mm-hmm. cassette at the time, that's how long yeah. ago it was. <laughs> and I'm sure you can just download it now (laughs) but um it really it really helped me a lot it really helped me with that whole perspective thing a lot and a whole lot of other you know how to make a business plan how to do this how to you know how to focus so many different things um and and reading I think reading lots of books and and um know I watch a ton of documentaries and I try to write watch a lot of documentaries about other artists and how they work and what drives them being curious and um, open to other other avenues other sources of knowledge will keep you will feed you also and keep you excited like you know if I'm feeling kind of lost sometimes reading a book or listening to a book or a podcast or something can give me a new idea that'll completely shift the next day mm. i like, go oh, yeah that's really cool now mm. i have a new the window just opened and i have a new view you know
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: and that'll help me so
0: so do you feel like it kind of gave you like maybe uh well it's like what was it called visionary business visionary
1: business yeah
0: That it felt like it kind of like maybe gave you that kind of like broader vision and perspective on things. So like when things did like kind of go not the greatest, Mm -hmm. it was just like, oh, just part of the process.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was one of the things that gave me that. Yeah, Mm. a lot of it is, you know, just my spiritual belief, my experience, talking to other artists who you know, follow their passion. That comes from a lot of places, but that book was important to me at the time. Yeah. Um, I should re- actually reread it because, you know, I'm uh, assuming it stands the test of time. It may <laughs> not. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, I do think that's super important. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I can't... So how do I word this question? It's kind of like... <laughs> What are like, so you're going to like kind of try to do your best, to like paint this picture of like what need the types of things and like what the process looks like from beginning to like mastery or whatever for someone to go from being a no one, like a no one, just like an artist, like a, you know, a hobbyist artist to being someone like, what are the obvious things that happen? What are the not so obvious things that happen? You
1: mean that happen to you when that happens or that you do to make that happen?
0: uh both i mean like so like you know it probably takes a number of years for you to cultivate that skill but the the first year is going to be different than the fifth year is going to be different than the sixth year you're going to feel differently about the whole process like the first year it's probably that connect connected to why it's art is special to you and the the fifth year might be it's that in the business and then the last part might just be the complete refinement of your you know your skill but also you know things like you know You've kind of talked a little bit about all these things, but like where to market your work, Mm -hmm. the the Facebook groups, and like kind of when you should kind of do that. It's it's kind of like everything that should happen and when you think it should happen. I guess is oh my god, I don't know. So good luck. (laughs) Yeah, thanks (laughs) a lot.
1: (laughs) Um, I don't think that there's one single path at all. No, I really think that you know some people start with a business plan and then figure out what the business will be, and then learn how to do the books, and then learn, you know, blah, 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 and then come up with a product, if you're selling a product. I think some people just don't feel like they don't have a choice because they love what they do, and they just have to do it, and um, so they start with the product and making it and asking questions. I don't know if there's any one path except to know, that you have to always be learning. You can't say, okay, I'm the best at this now. So I'm just gonna, you can say that. I mean, I'm the best at this now, so I'm just gonna coast. Yeah. Um, But I don't think that's gonna feed you for long. Mm -hmm. I don't, I could be wrong. There might be people for whom that's all they need. is just Mm -hmm. the money coming in and going on doing the same thing for years. But for me, it's about always being, and I've said this before in the last hour, Always being open and aware of your path and kind of paying attention to where you're going, where you came from, what's going right, what's going wrong. It's like, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I was thinking about, it's kind of like, think of it as a person you're taking care of. And you just start noticing what they need, and what they're good at getting for themselves, and what they aren't. And you go, you know, they're not very good at cooking their own dinner. I'll cook them, you know, I'll cook my mom mm-hmm. dinner because she's tired and old and she doesn't want to. It's kind of like looking at my business and going, okay, what do you need? You don't have enough customers. Let me see if I can help you find that. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, separating from it without emotion, and saying, um. I think that I just think that that's that if you're too tied up in the emotion, if it's too much entangled with your ego, you're not going to see the path, and mm-hmm. because you're just looking for everyone to tell you you're good at it and for to see success, that's mm-hmm. all. Um, and so, and I don't, I just don't believe that there is a, a list that you have to check off everything for in order, in a certain mm-hmm. order to make that happen I mean clearly I did it backwards
2: (laughs) you know I learned
1: the business stuff long after I had a business Mm -hmm. that was working
2: Mm
1: -hmm. so I think either I'm the wrong person to ask that question (laughs) of or (laughs) and or (laughs) I don't know that I I think there's a single answer to that question
0: yeah it is like a tricky thing because it's like one of those things where you can't really plan for it like the people that you met or maybe have been the people that allowed you to take things to the next level. You could have never planned for that, but maybe you could have been, I don't know. they say like, you know, create your own luck, like put yourself in situations where you're going to be lucky. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, maybe just putting yourself out there is just the best that you could do. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes that can be like really scary. And what's curious to me is like, because you like you said being an artist is like a solo thing mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of
1: so is being uh, a podcaster
0: yeah yeah well kind of you know? we got, i'm talking to you <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but this is only a small part of it um, yeah yeah just like the man just it seems like there needs to be a certain you need to get that forward momentum you need to have certain rewards that you can't really plan for and you need to be able to like kind of shake off all those negative effects that, or negative experiences that you kind of yeah come across when you're you know going down the path but um i guess what like i said i kind of said earlier but like getting the work done like doing the work Mm -hmm. i was gonna bring this up earlier where you're talking about how there's all these things going wrong with outside in the world and like yeah you're just like i can't control all of that but what i can do
1: exactly is just
0: you know sit down and do the small thing of like painting eggshells exactly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which seems so small in the grand scheme of things, but it's like really worked out. And it was just like most people, like I feel sometimes when I'm like sitting down to do something, I'll like kind of, I'll be my own enemy and be like, ah, oh, I'm wasting yeah. my time doing this. This isn't what I need to be doing. Yeah. Um, uh, so I guess like my next question would be explain like what like settling in and doing the work like feels like for you, like mm-hmm. what does it feel like in your body? Like you said, you start at nine. Feel like you kind of got a good routine now but yeah. like leading up to put your boots on to do the work <laughs> doing the work itself and like how you choose to end each session of the day like what is what does all that feel like to you
1: yeah um it's pretty mundane i mean <laughs> i just do it i, I want to go back to one thing yeah too that you were just saying which is you know when you hit those negative things i don't want to gloss over that and say you know just believe in yourself. And you know, like, I don't mean to sound that I'm doing that. So I also want to say, honor those shitty feelings and let yourself feel shitty. Let Mm. yourself really feel shitty. If that's how you feel, whether it's for a day or a week, it's okay. I'm really lucky that and I'm going to get back to your question. But I Mm -hmm. just want to add this to what I was saying before, that I'm just so lucky because there's something in me, and I don't know where it came from, that no matter what it is whether it's a financial predicament or um you know a work predicament a social thing um i I'll get really depressed and sad for a while or angry or whatever it is and then i always get to the point where i'm like i'm sick of this what can i do about it what am i going to mm-hmm. do i only one's going to turn this around is me so what am i going to do and then i get almost excited about okay, this is a project, let's turn this around, you know,
2: it mm, doesn't yeah.
1: happen for everybody. And so I'm really lucky that I have that. And I want to acknowledge that because it's not easy for everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: and I don't mean to be like a Pollyanna, like, <laughs> just be positive, you know, yeah. but back to your question. You know, I get up in the morning, and I have my coffee and I hang out with the cat. And sometimes I look at TikTok or Facebook or at my book or whatever. Um, I would like to replace that with taking a walk. <laughs> but yeah. I haven't been that's that thing I haven't been good at. Um and then usually, you know, lately I've been coming to work later than nine just because I've had low energy for some reason. Um, but most of the time, just right around nine, it's almost like an alarm. It's such habit after all these years. Like yeah an inner alarm goes off. And I just I I actually luckily because i love the painting the way i get excited to go into the studio so i go into the studio and sit down and i actually feel like when you're asking how it feels i actually feel like kind of a a rush of like cool what am i going to do now you know (laughs) and then i pick up a stone and i start to look at it and i think about what colors i want to use and that's usually where i start with the design is i i start with picking out the color way for it and um the color combination. And once I pick out that palette um and and start, I'm I'm just in this, like I said, almost a meditative calm. Uh, I never know what I'm gonna make before I make it. I don't plan. I don't mm-hmm. pre-draw or plan anything. Sometimes I know like I'm gonna paint a mountain in the center of this stone. I'm mm-hmm. gonna use all greens or I'm gonna use jewel tones and I'm gonna put um you know, a little painting of a hummingbird in the center. So, you know, that might be all I know. Mm-hmm. And then I just follow my instinct, I guess.
0: let just and let the rest come. Hmm? Just let the rest come.
1: Yeah, and there are moments, you know, to answer, you know, again, how it flows. There are moments, especially with other, when I was painting whole paintings from to create products from, mm-hmm. um, like putting those designs on a card or whatever. Um, But still with the mandalas, too, I often uh, have to stop and step away Mm. just because I can't see what's next. I just can't quite see what should come next. So I'll either get up and go make something, get something to drink or um, when I was painting, I would put a painting completely aside for a day or two and come back to it. And then um, with the mandala stones, it usually doesn't take that big of a break. But then Hmm. when I come back to it, um, whether it's I went outside to hang out with a cat or I took a stretch or I had my lunch or coffee, whatever the break is, it seems to clear something. And then when I come back and look at it, at where I left it, I see it completely differently. And I Hmm. almost always kind of then know, oh, I see what I could do next. Or I see these two or three things I could do next. Which one do I want to do? And then I fall right back into that rhythm again, where I'm just like feeling alive and fed and joyful and just in the meditation of creating. And then, yeah. you know, because what I do is so hyper focused, like I am really, I am hyper focused on this little four inch thing in front of me and I don't see anything else in the world while I'm doing mm-hmm. that. Um, this particular product requires more breaks. hmm. Just because I'm hunched over this tiny little thing and they're not long breaks. They're just like, get up and maybe go to the books or get up and answer a couple of emails and then just kind of stretch a little bit and go back. But usually by around four or five or like last time it was 630, I'm just, I I'm just feel done. I just feel like, hey, that was enough for today. And I usually kind of count the stones I made and go, look what you did. That's $300 worth of work you did today. You're allowed to stop. It's okay. Or whatever it is, you know, however I count it, you know, look, you got all your taxes done today. It's okay to stop now. (laughs) And, um, and when I, this is, you know, the thing I cultivated when I moved, because when I lived in my other house, we worked in the living room when I lived with my boyfriend. So the work was everywhere all the time. We could never escape it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: My rule since i moved into this house 30 something years ago is that when i walk out the door anything about work stays behind
2: mm. and
1: that just it, it's not hard for some reason it's just not that hard it's not that during the night i don't think oh maybe tomorrow i'll do a stone and all golds and turquoises or oh shit, i forgot to fill out that application for that show it's yeah. not but i'm just not allowed to go back in there and do it unless i think it would be fun yeah So that's just how my days go. And then Saturday is a whole different day because I get up really, really early. That's a different kind of work day. I get up, well, really, really early, 5.45 or 6. And then I have to drive to Seattle, set up my booth at the market. And and there it's just, you know, you're there for the day and you talk to people and try to make it fun if you can, if you're not freezing or boiling or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that's the day where like, you know, you really have to be more flexible because either business is still busy at five and you need to stay or it's over at four and you're bored for the last hour. Um, so that's a, that's a really different rhythm than the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: what types of things do you do to, you mentioned a little bit, just like with the structure of your day and stuff, but like, what are some other things that you do to kind of keep you in like that positive rhythm like keeps that momentum going and like things are going smoothly and then like what are some things that you know you should be doing that could be helping you but you're just not doing them for whatever reason yeah <laughs> like going uh, on a walk
1: <laughs> yeah you mean just in my life in general what are uh things that- mm,
0: the kind of like in relation to the work uh, It seems uh, i i get the sense that you don't you, the the work itself it has enough pull yeah to but um, I don't know, for me, I know if I'm, uh, not exercising my, the whole, my rest of my life kind of goes to crap or yeah. obviously not sleeping can do that too. Or, yeah, uh, you'll get in, I don't know, a negative talk spell where you've been, mm-hmm. do you talk to yourself or, or, you know, comparing yourself to someone or, or a thought loop that yeah, keeps yeah. coming. Do you deal with any of that or is it?
1: The only thing I deal with that in Kids, my work is usually things that have nothing to do with work. You know, mm-hmm. my mother died, or when quarantine was driving me crazy, or um, when I have a few weeks of really bad days at Pike Place and I'm just stressed or worried. Um, that that is a work-related thing, but usually the thing, the things that um, really cause me issues are the things in my head that have nothing to do with work and that make it really hard to focus on work because I'm just processing some other big thing. And, um, and then again, it's that going back to honoring that and going like, well, oh, then I'm not going to work today or I'm going to be okay if I make some really shitty stones today, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, but I, in my personal life, you know, I'm really bad about exercising. And the other thing I'm bad at is calling friends. Mm. Um, which I'm really trying to work on since quarantine because I really like being alone and I live alone and I love living alone and I don't. um, But since, since quarantine and COVID um, that has been more of a challenge. It's more isolating and that can really get to me. There are days when it's just like, if I don't see another human being today, I'm going to lose it. And so I have to be better about, this has been a conscious choice for me. Like when my friends call me to do things, I'm always like, yeah, but I never call them. So I've been making a point and even telling my friends that I'm making a point of trying to reach out more because I know it's really good for me. Even when my natural pull is to curl up on the couch with a blanket and the cat and a book. Mm -hmm. I know that after 10 days of doing that, I will, if I just make myself call a friend, either have a conversation or meet for a walk or something. I will be completely revitalized for the next five days. Mm -hmm. That's, that's hard for me as crazy as it is. And I I have to remember to do it.
0: Yeah, I know. It's I I feel the similar way of just like needing to see people like with my job, my day job, I'm kind of by myself all the time. I'm pretty extroverted. So yeah, yeah, my almost it feels like calling people is like a distraction for me. Like when I need to be doing things, I'll like call people and be like, "Oh, you know," yeah, yeah, chew, chew the fat or something, and just like you know, I should be doing <laughs> other things. But but I don't know. Sometimes it's like I feel that always about everything. Like, oh, I should be doing. I should be doing yeah. this. I should be. I should always be doing. Those this, shoulds
1: but... are such an enemy, aren't they? they the are. Shoulds, man, oh, yeah. I hate the shoulds.
0: Yeah, I think I saw a video there talking about you're just shooting all over yourself and like, uh.
1: Yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But again, that's where spirituality sort of helps me where I'm just like, what's with the shoulds? What are you doing that for yourself to yourself for you got one ride here? Mm -hmm. You know, why don't you just make it what you want it to be and stop shooting yourself? Yeah. There is no should. Maybe there is, I should pay the mortgage and I should (laughs) lock the doors at night and I should put gas in my car. You know, there's that (laughs) stuff. But the emotional blackmail sort of that we do to ourselves, you know, of like, you know, if you don't do this, then you're being a bad person or you don't, you shouldn't be able to be like, I didn't do this this week. I used to do this to myself. Like, I didn't work hard enough this week to merit a a visit with my friend or because I should have done this, this and this. So um, I don't know. I think our biggest enemy are those voices, those shoulds Mm -hmm. and can'ts saying I can't is really bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I've been trying to, well, I'm not really trying, but it's something I know I should be doing is, just getting more into the doing, like, quit thinking, quit talking yeah. to yourself, quit just doing it and, like, dealing with it, What whatever happens. But you'll be happier doing it if it fails. Yes. You at least learn something instead of yeah. just... Um, yeah. the. Uh, what about, like, because you can kind of get in those negative thought loops and kind of really drag you down. Have you ever... Have you ever like lost, like kind of that inner fire or like gone through like a period of stagnation or. Oh
1: my God. Yes. In fact, I will admit that, um, for about a month after the Christmas season ended, I was in a really bad slump Mm. because, um, like I said, during COVID I was taken care of at least for some of it. And then, you know, I went back to work and was making money in the fall and the, in the, summer and fall and for Christmas. And then at the end of Christmas, it just stops. And at Pike Place, business stops till like June. Mm -hmm. So it was like I had been off work for over a year, year and a half. Then I went back and it was exciting because I brought back this new product and I was selling like crazy and I was doing really well. And then Christmas was over and it was back to the reality of, oh, yeah, right. I remember this. You know, because I hadn't really had to think about it for two years. Mm-hmm. This is that horrible slump. And uh. before um, I would, this is a, the great thing about doing wholesale and retail is that wholesale is the opposite season of retail. So mm-hmm. wholesale season is like January through April, May, June, maybe. And then, then everything would get really busy at Pike Place. And on retail online and, you know, all that. And not that I didn't have reorders. I'd have lots of reorders during the summer, of course, from stores. But then in the fall, uh, um, in the, let's say, fall, where it really slows down, like September at Pike Place Market, every store is ordering for Christmas. Hmm. So, and then when that dies down in October or so, business, or mid-November, business is gearing up again at Pike Place. So now I don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. I just have this slump I'm looking at, you know, after Christmas going, oh, "Oh, I'm not doing wholesale. (laughs) I'm not getting unemployment. I'm having that slump that has happened every year for 40 something years in retail. And I'm isolated yeah and I'm not seeing any of my friends, and this feels like shit and I went through a really bad slump that really just ended a few weeks ago um and part of it is the sun coming back, I think mm-hmm. that helped a lot, and just sort of me changing the supplements I'm taking might have helped and
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but that was that was a bad slump, and I had a really bad slump, I think I briefly mentioned a few years ago about financial stuff where mm-hmm. Um, It was just a very, just before COVID hit, maybe, or just at the beginning, and I was, you know, it was one of my business, the last iteration of my business, the clocks and everything had sort of really died out, and I was still, I made some, I started selling prints of my artwork, which is a different kind of artwork than I'd done before, and that went really well for a while, but then I started burning out on it, because it wasn't really, feeding me anymore. And Mm. it was just a very hard time. And then, Mm. um, you know, that was when I mentioned that I reached out to friends and realized, God, I have friends here happy to help me. And, you know, and what a joy that was. And it made me really look at things differently. But yeah, I mean, we're human, we're all going to have that. It was big nosedives. And like I said, I feel like I I just honored it. I mean, I wasn't coming in the studio till like 11 some days during that period. And just I just didn't feel like getting off the couch. And it was hard. It was Mm -hmm. really, really hard. I was, you know, fear is the thing that really gets you. Yeah. Because it's paralyzing. It can be paralyzing when you get too scared. I think there's something... I don't really know how the brain works, but I Mm -hmm. think in my experience when I'm really, really afraid, whether it's about finances or a relationship or whatever the hell, my mom dying or my dad, you know, whatever. um, I'm not, when I go to that really bad fear place, I don't have access to the survival place.
0: Mm. I don't have
1: access to the place that says, okay, I know how to take care of me. Yeah. Yeah just like all <laughs> that the... place goes away when I'm really in fear <laughs> yeah so um you know that's that's a scary thing and and that's where I was I was afraid mm. I was afraid for the future and I'm afraid for the future of the world too I mean that's that's huge Celeste anywhere from to the eight years you know oh, yeah it's been really scary like where are we going here what's gonna happen there are so many more crazy people out there that I realized mm. and um and and that's one of the harder things about being a creative person too because it's pretty hard to be creative if you feel negative about the world
0: totally unless yeah, you're
1: I, using your art to to express your negativity
0: yeah you know, and i guess rewarded and for anger it. <laughs> or
1: fear or whatever but i'm not that person you know yeah. so yeah
0: yeah so i guess kind of switching to like what the world's like right now like how would you describe the nature of your industry now like you kind of talked a little bit about the beginning how it's like kind of changed and like what do you think the future is going to be and how does that compare to what it was like in the past?
1: I really wish I knew that. I mean, I um, used to go to these shows around the country. Most of them, the, the really big ones, were in Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, and um, and Las Vegas. And um, I would go to those, and you know, leave with lots of orders and lots of new uh, buyers. Those shows, that story is a story we won't go into. It's very complicated and a weird story, but started Mm. dying for kind of stupid reasons, Mm. Um, which was basically, in a nutshell, a competition between the two women. Mm. One woman who had run all those shows for years and ran the biggest show in the country and the best, and another woman who started doing... doing shows many many years after this first woman and started drawing customers away Mm -hmm. like they would choose her show instead of the big one and then they Mm -hmm. started competing and it got really ugly and it really screwed up the business for thousands of us Mm -hmm. thousands of us their competition and small mindedness Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: also you know the economy started changing and what people buy started changing and so um all a lot of the little handmade the stores that sell beautiful handmade work um made in the usa started closing because people now buy technology as gifts and iphones Mm -hmm. and gizmos and draw you know um all sorts of you know any lots more technology like the younger i shouldn't say the younger generation that sounds weird but you know in recent years there's been a change in what people find important and what feeds their lives. And and handmade art seems to not be as important to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that happened that changed a lot was that Etsy came along.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. anybody who is anybody can sell on Etsy. And there are talented people who aren't professionals and they don't know how to price and it's not their job. They have a job that's paying their bills.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So they really, really underprice their work. Mm. And then that affects those of us who have to make a living selling our work because it makes us look more expensive and they can buy something from some hobbyist, Mm -hmm. you know, and Etsy went from a really small site to, millions and millions of people selling online all over the world
2: mm-hmm.
1: when we never had that. The you know, places you could buy handmade were at those little handmade shows that happen in your town or at those great little galleries where you live or when you, you know, would travel and go to some town that had a great little shop with it, all handmade artists in it. Then it suddenly became anyone could go on the internet and anyone could sell on the internet. And that made it much, much, much harder for those of us who had to pay bills with what we did mm-hmm. and who had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars investing in our businesses. And some people who opened, you know, galleries or mm-hmm. glass-blowing studios, for instance, cost a fortune. And um, so that that's how the business changed. You know, people who in, are investing their livelihood back into their businesses or watching some little hobbyist sell, and maybe it, it, often it's not anywhere near as nice as what you might sell because you've been yeah. doing it years. But the general public might not see that difference, or might be just just as happy with the little, you know, piece of jewelry that someone made in their spare time as a hobby. You know, um, so we have no control over that, and that that's been a huge impact to to this industry. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many of the hundreds of stores that I used to sell to are gone. Are yeah.
0: just gone. Uh, yeah, I know. It's uh I mean I kinda like I like making things too and it is just I mean as much as as many problems as like the phone solves, like like yeah. your wat like your clocks, for example, like I mean yeah. or even all sorts of things like guitar tuners. You can like download a guitar tuning app versus having yes. to go buy one or like yeah. an alarm clock or uh or an email calendar it seems like it's there's it's there's getting to be less and less things that people can kind of make in their garage and kind of get a life started where they don't Absolutely. have a job and, that and i'll tell is, you yeah, yeah go ahead oh i just like it's kind of depressing in a mm-hmm. way because it's just like we america used to be like kind of like a a well, maybe it still is, but like a, a country of like industry and where, where mm-hmm. hard focus can get you somewhere and that there's opportunity everywhere and it feels like now it's opportunity isn't anywhere and you have to work really, really hard to barely get yeah. by. And it's just not as inspiring as it used to be. And
1: I think there are just way less people who value having something that was made with someone ha- someone's hands. Like you can go to Target and buy a really nice little table for $40. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's a nice little wooden table. And mm-hmm. um, you can go to a show and buy a nice little wooden table for $400. And um, I think that people used to care more. There used to be a lot more value put in things that were made by an individual or a group of individuals with their own hands. I just don't think that value is there for as many people. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing that's changed I wanted to touch on is is that people copy. And Mm -hmm. so in the art world, it is the cardinal sin to copy someone else's designs or someone else's work. And I mean, that's not art. You're not an artist. Mm -hmm. If you take somebody's design and copy it or take somebody's idea and make it your own. And um, and a real artist will never do that because the joy for us is the creation of something that comes from inside of us. Mm -hmm. But when you're putting your work online now, there are a million people seeing it, millions and millions of people seeing it, especially on Etsy. And, pe- like for instance, you know, like th- what I do, people can dot can dot mandalas, um, and there's different levels of skill, and you know, there's a lot of standard designs that everybody uses because they're patterns that you see and you can copy. But then for someone like me who never uses a template and never uses someone else's design. I mean, there are a few when I was learning, you know, I would use those designs yeah. too Um, I might post a design online that I completely created from my heart. And then someone else goes, oh, maybe I can copy that.
3: Yeah. And they
1: don't, because they're not really an artist at heart, they're a crafter or a hobbyist. It's a fun project for them. Like I did paint them by numbers when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's fun. It's fun to make things from a pattern that people buy knitting patterns and make things that someone else designed. But in the the actual art world, if you're really an artist, that's incredibly frowned upon. And like, if you are at a show, and someone was copying, you found someone at that show who was copying your work, all your friends would basically blacklist that person because yeah. they knew you made it first and your buyers would be pissed off and other artists would be pissed off. And that person, you know, they might succeed, but, but they would be climbing an uphill battle in, in a lot of ways. And now it's just become so much easier for people to just rip you off.
3: Yeah.
1: And and that's, I think what people don't realize who aren't artists is that that is like you stole my child
3: Mm.
2: and
1: pretended it was yours. Yeah. You are, you took my heart out. And, and um, it, it, not, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just so painful Mm -hmm. because you birthed that thing.
2: It Mm -hmm. came
1: from you. It was born from something inside of you that you don't even know how to express. And then someone else just went, oh, I can copy that. And they reproduced it in whatever form. Maybe it's not even as good. Mm -hmm. So that's a big, big deal now because of the internet. I I have a friend who found his entire jewelry line copied by someone in China. Because when you have it on the web, anyone can go, hey, that's selling and copy it. You know, especially, you know, manufacturers in China. And I've I've had people copy my designs when I was making the jewelry. I had someone completely copy what I was doing and sell at Pike Place, right across the aisle from me, Ugh. underpricing me.
3: Jeez.
1: Part of what put me out of that business. Yeah. Yeah. So um, hmm. you know, that's that's a big, big change. And there's it's really hard to address that because if you try to talk to um beginners or amateurs or hobbyists or crafters whatever you want to call them about it they get very defensive and angry well well, it's just dots it's just a design like Mm. they don't get it like you wouldn't read a book and then copy that book and go that was a great book look what i wrote you Mm. know i'll just copy it and tell people i wrote it you know you you just do that um but people do do it with art and it's just really challenging when you have to sell on the internet
0: totally yeah yeah um, I guess what are some like see out of the here so it's maybe like a two part question so or two you could pick one it's so, like okay. what are some cold, hard truths about the industry and like some cold hard truths based like in life based on your experience that you've experienced um and then like the kind of other one is like what's the kind of biggest lie or kind of what I call dollar store advice that you uh-huh. you know that the advice that you were given that was not true or it might not be all the way true or or uh huh. what did you actually find to be the case like so you got the advice and it ended up being the complete opposite um or the, what the truth was uh, right so cold hard truth or cold hard truth about your life or just you know something that's really like something true about life that you had to learn the hard way that no one told you i guess yeah. is a simpler way to put it
1: um boy i don't know <laughs> i i i think um i can't think of any advice anyone gave me that was really bad
0: um or there's that there like wasn't helpful but you just kept hearing it, it would be like it, yeah. it doesn't have to be just necessarily bad
1: right right um
0: like you know con- there are like... a
1: lot of things you hear a lot yeah. that, that drive you nuts yeah but uh, i mean i wouldn't say like people always would when i was painting and my paintings are really playful
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and vibrant colors people would constantly saying to me you shouldn't be doing this you should be illustrating kids books
3: mm-hmm.
1: and and i would be like i don't want to yeah. that's not what i want to do yeah. don't give me advice about what i should do yeah you don't know me. I mean, and again, if it had been any advice that related to who I am from someone who knew me, I would have been more open. Up. But so you get that stuff all the time from mm-hmm. customers like, oh, you know what you should do. Um, but um, I, I honestly don't know that I have an answer for that.
2: Mm.
1: I can't think of like, I mean, you know, maybe the one the one thing goes back to what I said at the beginning. That I thought it was easy. I just thought it was easy. And that was my mistake. That wasn't because anyone told me it was going to be easy.
0: That mm. was just the,
1: you know, that, the thing, the big stopper in my mind at first. And that I, um, I, I also think that when, you have to be really careful about listening to people who who don't see the possibilities like who just think oh isn't that cute you're painting little eggs for a while you'll grow out of it you know Mm. people who don't support you and the negative voices like isn't that sweet like I I had an uncle who um I would see when I went, I'm from the East Coast, when I would go back home once or twice a year in the beginning of my business and see him. And I was making probably more money than he ever did Hmm. at the time, but he Hmm. didn't know that. And um, he said, so when are you going to quit making those little eggs and get a real job?
3: Uh, Yeah.
1: And that, no, that was 50 years ago or 40, well, I was already in business, but let's just say 35 years ago. And, um, I never forgot it. Like it kicked me in the gut. And I thought, wow, do people not see this as a real business? Like, Mm. um, and, and do people just think I'm like, like when I, you know, I have a lemonade stand that I run for extra money, (laughs) you know, like are people looking at me like that, like she really needs to you know get out of the lemonade stand business and get a real job yeah that that went to my ego for a while mm-hmm. and um and i i kind of like second-guessed myself like is this do people not take me seriously like do people mm-hmm. not realize that I'm working my ass off all day and, and doing really well and bought a house and like, you know, all those normal things, just because I'm just painting little eggs doesn't, yeah. so basically, you know, I would hear voices like that sometimes in my lives. And that was the most negative. It wasn't advice, but it was an implication yeah. that, that I should be doing more. And mm-hmm. I, I would say that is the worst message that I got from various people mm-hmm. over the- yeah, when are you going to get it together and be a grown-up you're yeah. just making things and selling them
0: i know sometimes i'll feel that way about doing this podcast like thing of being like oh jake dude, what yeah you got to get a real job that's ever going to pay for anything but right i don't know it's like there's these like i mean you've obviously made it but just like going at these things that are kind of untraditional and like the chances of success are pretty low um like there is one um like there's this comedian and he talked about saying like, yeah, you kind of need to have a sort of delusional sense of self-confidence or delusional sense of belief. Cause especially like in something yeah. like comedy where you're on, you're up on stage and if you mess yes. up, everyone's like booing you and you're like, you're oh you're not funny. Oh what God. do you get out of here? Can you
1: imagine
0: I can't. That's why I want to like, I was
1: painting and there were people standing behind me, heckling me. I mean, I well, don't know how they do it.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. So I I kind of like kept that in my mind. It's like uh, that delusional sense, like kept them, kept him in the game, still going like, okay. So that's one, that's one thing that United, like a little gem you need to keep in your pocket to kind of like look at every once in a while. Like, I just,
1: I think that's a really good point. And you know, there is a way in which, uh, there's a funny line between confidence and arrogance Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, and belief in yourself and, and arrogance or cockiness or whatever you want to call it. And, and, um, I think that being not arrogant, but super confident, um, keeps you going even when you're being unrealistic. And that's, that's important. Like, I don't think an insecure person could run their own business successfully.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. You know,
1: and so I think there is like with the comedians, you know, you have to think I'm funny. I'm going to go out there and do this. These assholes, you know, laugh or make fun of me, then they just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same as I do when I go to a show and I don't have a good show. I'm like, okay, those weren't my people. Mm. Those just weren't my people. Yeah you know, but there, you have to be confident to be able to say that, because if you're not, you're going to go, Oh, nobody likes me. Nobody bought anything, you know? Mm -hmm. So there, there is a place in which, you know, that's just so important. And I I don't know where, where that comes from. I don't know how to, you know, for me, maybe it comes from the fact that my dad always complimented me on it. I don't Mm -hmm. know, you know, where that came from.
0: Okay. Last, like kind of two questions or one question. You could pick one if you want, like on a more positive note, what's like a type of advice that you could receive that you found helpful and to be like true. And then like, like that gem, it's something like you always, it like kind of haunts you like in a good way though. Um, or like, um, it'd be cool if you answered this one too, but like a weird mental trick or like physical trick or something that you've kind of learned that it's like your own thing that, gives you an edge or gives you an advantage or kind of like it comes to your aid often in life mm-hmm. um like a mental shortcut or trigger or you know something
1: there are probably a few of those um I would say um well sometimes it's just something as little as I have to, one of the tricks I use for myself was just turning on really good music. Mm. Um, and I used to, you know, sing in a band and so I'll sing harmonies along with it and kind of dance around the house and energize myself if I can. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, um, like I said, I watch a lot of documentaries and that really actually does help me. If I don't feel inspired, I'll try to find a podcast or an audio book or something that'll just kind of It comes back again to what I was saying before, give me a new way to look at it Mm. or, um, a new, some tiny tidbit that will re-energize me might be in there. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: so I grab onto those. I try to just, you know, be open to those and like, um, you know, watch a documentary on creativity and just see if it will spark something. Um, sometimes it's just getting outside and moving a little bit and, um, you know, I just saw this woman on TikTok who was saying that what she did was she got up and she just jumps around, she just jumps around and waves her arm around and twirls around mm. and jumps up and down. And I was thinking, hey, maybe I'll try that if I get,
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, if
1: I get stuck tomorrow, like, yeah. why not? You know, so like just kind of grabbing on and being open to those little things, those little tools you use. Um, and And also just like, um one of the other tricks is just listening like if they're like i said before if there's a day which doesn't really happen anymore but like um where i don't feel like painting or something then um okay do something else that's okay mm. like saying letting being okay with not being okay mm. <laughs> well, yeah. so that's you know just kind of saying to myself Learning to say to myself that that is a trick I use for myself sometimes, I'm like it's okay if you don't want to do that today, mm. and then so, usually by the afternoon, I'm like, okay, I can do it now, yeah, it's
3: like, you know, instead it. of
1: making myself doing it and hating it all day, yeah, like that's one of the one of the tricks I use, like, okay, so you don't want to do this right now, just don't, and then usually, yeah, comes back around, it's so. A-
0: yeah, it's kind of like reverse psychology a little bit. You're just kind of like, yeah, maybe, yeah. you're not trying yeah. to, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and also, I mean, one of the big things I do, one of the really major things I do that helps me a lot is calling friends who are in this business, mm. you know, or friends who aren't if it's about something else. But if I'm having a slump or something, like I said, luckily for me, because I've done this my whole life. Most of my circle does this. Mm. I mean, not maybe my very local circle. I have, you know, four or five or six friends that don't do it, that live nearby, mm-hmm. that are really close friends. But um, being able to call some people from that show community or get on the Facebook thing, that's, that is a trick I use where I'm just like, you guys, I'm over it. I'm just burnt. What do you guys do when you're burnt? And then mm-hmm. let them tell me their tips.
0: Yeah. And sometimes like, you don't, you almost don't even need tips. You just got to have them say like, Oh yeah, I've been there. You're right. Yeah, exactly. We've all been yes. There. They don't, me don't...
1: too. And that's, a that's going around a lot now It's it was even more like, you know, during the middle of quarantine, like just being able to get online or talk to someone who's like, I hate this. And you can go mm-hmm. me too. Oh, and God. then you hang up feeling so much better. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause it's one of those things where people will say like, Oh, you know, whatever, depressed, anger, whatever feeling Mm -hmm. people will say like, oh, you're not the only one, but that doesn't really, uh, give you the relief. It's like, you almost need to hear it from someone who has been there in order to get the relief.
1: Yeah. And really dig deep and commiserate. I hate this part and I hate this part and I hate this part and I'm sick of this. And when are we going to be able to do this? And, you know, just really let it out there. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I have such great friends that, you know, we can just bitch to each other. (laughs) I mean, and, you know, like, this is a hard, it's a hard, it's hard. I mean, I'm not in the coal mines. Obviously, I think I have an incredibly easy life compared to most people on the planet. But it is really hard to be isolated and self employed. And so you just got to be able to be sick of it sometimes and share that with someone.
0: yeah yeah Yeah, it's like uh, in terms of like hard work um like i feel like i've learned how to i've done like a lot of physical labor my whole life and there's like certain tricks and things you can do to make it easier or kind of that you can get through the day but it's only like in physical stuff so but i'm trying to like learn tricks to where it's doing stuff like more like you know things you can do to kind of get in that creative state or if like you need to do your taxes there's certain tricks to get in that mindset or um I'll tell you
1: one trick I use is looking at art so I'll either go to Instagram because I follow a million other artists that's mostly who I follow and I scroll that can be enough to make me excited about making art again I will go to a museum I went to the Imogene Cunningham show a couple of weeks ago and that really inspired me. I'll look at art books that I have or go online and, and look up different artists I know or different kinds of art that I know, like quilling. Let's look up what people are doing with quilling, or let's look up how people are, you know, weavers and different. And I and that is a trick that when I'm really stuck, especially if I go to a museum, because then it's a more meditative one-on-one experience and looking at a screen you're right in front of the piece of art you can when you're an artist you kind of i i assume that we look at art differently because i of course think about how they made it what it felt like to make it with yep, their hands yep. you know and i see the brush strokes if, yeah. it's a paper, if, fingers, <laughs> if it's a sculpture and i think oh how'd they do that part and that is really stimulating and that'll bring me right back to having joy about what i do
0: yeah yeah, my friend Patrick, the first guy I interviewed, he said the exact same thing, like the brush strokes. And yeah, he says. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. you do. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I'm one of millions have had this experience. But when I went to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, I couldn't believe I could see the individual bristles of his brush strokes, mm. you know, like, oh, my God, it was yeah. so powerful. Like, mm-hmm. it was it was him and he was holding that brush and it made those marks and it, those grooves in the paint. I don't It's not even those thoughts. It's so much not, not that kind of a conscious thought, but it's the sense.
0: He did that.
1: Yeah, he did that. And I'm getting to look at it hundreds of years later and it's stood the test of time and it's so beautiful and what inspired him and look at the choice he made over here to put that color there. And like, It's exciting. You know, it's really, it's exciting to see that stuff. I mean, that trip, we saw a lot of art on that trip. And I came home and painted my ass off for months Mm -hmm. afterwards. Oh, it's so great.
0: Yeah. So would you say like, uh, to kind of revitalize yourself, it's probably a good sign you're in the right field. If to revitalize yourself, you're looking at things that are related to your yeah. instead of being like, oh, it's, I'm gonna go fishing and my job is being a news anchor or something. It has nothing right? to do with my job.
1: Well, I think that's important too. I mean I think the getting away from work stuff sometimes is exactly what you need. Hmm. Um just like I have to leave the room sometime when I'm painting something before I can take the next step because hmm. I get to this yeah. place where I just can't see what's next. But um but yeah I think you are in the right place if <laughs> if what stimulates you most is that very thing or something yeah. related to it for sure yeah yeah but there's lots of people who absolutely love art and are art collectors and feel no need to make it
3: mm-hmm. you Yeah. know mm-hmm.
1: so there's that too
0: yeah well i mean pam- i
1: love eating good food but i don't want to make it yeah i, mean, I don't want to be a chef you know yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> totally well pam it's been a good episode uh where can people like kind of find your stuff or look for anything about you Uh, So,
1: right now I'm taking a little break from Pike Place Market and I'll be back there in a few weeks. And I'm only there a couple days a week. So, um, my website is PSROCK. My business name is Paper Scissors Rock, but no one can spell scissors. (laughs) So, the website is (laughs) PSROCK.com. And I'm also on Instagram under paper scissors rock studio and um and on my instagram right now i give away one of my pieces every week to one of my followers so Ooh, good time okay.
0: to follow it. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay cool i'll put i'll put all the links down in the show notes that's it for today's episode thanks for listening and i hope you found it useful If you want to hear more episodes like this, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you prefer. Thank you. My name is Jake Trapp, and this is The Way in All Things.